Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today I have Peyton on the podcast with me, and it's been a while since we've had her on. If you're an Evelyn member, you definitely know who Dr. Peyton is. And if you're not an Evelyn member, <laughs> Peyton is a doctor of physical therapy. She is also an instructor at Evlo and she is our head of content. So she's our one and only full-time employee. Couldn't do it without her. So today we're bringing her on the podcast because she has her own personal journey that she's been going through with some of her hormones. And I, we, her and I have been talking about it a lot and she's very open about it. And we just decided that this could be a really helpful conversation for our audience because we really want our audience to not feel alone if they're struggling with something similar and to have permission to like really listen to subtle signs from your body and get them checked out. So welcome Peyton. Thank you. It's, it's really exciting to come on for this specific and particular topic. Cause I feel like it's very different than anything you and I have done together for sure on the podcast. You know, normally we're getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty and the science behind it. And this is very much so my personal story, but like you said, hopefully can like shed light on some things to look out for, or just encourage people to tap into their own bodies a little bit more, even if they're not experiencing exactly what I am, because everyone is very unique and different. So obviously this is going to be personal from person to person. Yeah. And like for the longest time, I shied away from sharing personal things about, you know, my life and like what I'm noticing in my own body, because I wanted to like keep this really professional and I wanted to talk about the science and the application of the science. But I think that you and I are maybe uniquely positioned to interject some of our personal experiences because we have the understanding of the human physiology and of the academic lens. And then we can like apply our own personal anecdotes to hopefully make it that much more empowering and powerful. So First off, I apologize if there's a million planes flying over me. It's just I can't hear them at all. Don't worry. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, great. Do you want to just kind of tell us where you are now and what what initially brought you like to the diagnosis that you have now? Yep. So in February of this year, so 2023, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder um, affecting the that involves the thyroid. Um, it's very common now I've found out now. Um, I think it, I think they say it's the most common autoimmune disorder, um, in the world and especially for women. So super common, but it also normally takes years and years and years and years, like decades to be diagnosed. Um, so that's kind of the more of the finish line story, but how it started for me is over two years ago. Now I started having, Um, pretty significant changes in my cycle, not in the regular, my cycles always have been very regular in terms of the duration of them during the period itself, all of that. But I started having spotting during my luteal phase. And when it first started, I didn't recognize it as happening cyclically or happening during my luteal phase. Cause at that time I wasn't tracking my cycle. I wasn't aware of it. Um, at all. And so at first it was just like, Oh, this is really weird. I'm having this weird spotting and then I'm having a period and they're not the same. And so something's going on. So honestly, the first year, um, after that, it was a lot of not understanding and a lot of just 
going into the OB that I was seeing at the time and getting some like high level testing done, but everything, you know, quote unquote, looked fine and good. And my, and because my cycles and my period itself were still regular and happening like the same number of days per month and all of that, they were like, this can't, this can't be a hormonal issue. Like it's just not. And so I, I kind of took that for face value because obviously that's not my formal training. And, and it wasn't until I, about halfway through that year, it's like, okay, I need to download and get some more information, download an app. Um, and that's when I started like diving deeper into everything. So you dove into your own cycle. You started tracking your own cycle. How were you doing that? And what were you finding? Yep. So I started using, it's an app called natural cycles. It's a pay, you have to pay for it. There are a ton of free apps, but for me, because I was having a specific issue, I wanted something that was like highly rated. And it was, it's the only, I think it still is the only, but at the time was the only FDA approved app um, for birth control. Um, that like is, you know, the same effectiveness as other forms of birth control. And so I downloaded that and at first, and it works based off of your basal body temperature. Um, and it takes a long time to learn your body and to learn your cycle. So at first I was just using the thermometer that came with the app and you have to take your temperature like immediately when you wake up. Um, and then about halfway through that process of having it, I got the aura ring and the aura, aura ring partners with natural cycles. And so it automatically inputs your, your temperature data into the app. So it just made it even more, I wanted to eliminate as many obstacles as possible or as many human errors that I could make as possible so that I could dive in. So once it went through the learning phase of a few months of understanding my body, getting my temperatures logged, all of that, that's when I started to notice, okay, this is only happening during this luteal phase, which is the second half of your cycle. So after ovulation and before you start your period. And I only had it during that time. So with that new information, I went back to my same OB. I was like, hey, I've now seen this consistent pattern. And and so I, I'm thinking it has to do has to do with something from a hormonal perspective. And still, she was pretty insistent that it couldn't be because I was still having a period, and my period itself hadn't changed. Um, so that's that that then took me on on a whole different journey. So then you so you you were getting this confirmation from your doctor, like no, everything's fine, like yeah. you're good. But you're like, this can't be good because something that we've talked about is like menstrual cycle is a vital sign. And if there's something wrong with your menstrual cycle, it's an indication that maybe something is out of whack and in your body somewhere, which I think like, we're not trained to necessarily think about that. Mm -mm. And it is just as important as our other are. Well, it's maybe not as important as like our heart for survival. It's not as important as, you know, our other vital signs, but it is a sign that something may be going on. So where did you go from there? Because I know you went to some other specialists to try to like get answers. So tell us about that process. Yeah. So I like, and at this point too, I want to say like, I'm a big fan of OBs and medicine in general. My whole family's medical. I'm a medical professional. I like don't discredit her in any way, the particular person I was seeing, but it 
just with everything else about me seems so normal. So I can kind of understand why she would think like, no, you're perfectly fine. Like you're not having hair loss. You're not having like some of these other symptoms um, that I can get into a little bit later too with Hashimoto's. Like certainly she wouldn't think that route. And then in general, again, they really focus on the period itself. And because that was so normal, I understand why it was just in her in like her model to just continue saying that things were fine. So just for me, because I've, you know, had a cycle for a long time now um, and have never had spotting before this, I knew that that couldn't be normal. Like that wasn't, that wasn't normal for me. So it wasn't, there was all, it was also told like to me, you know, some women just spot and like, okay, I get that. But like, I, why would it have randomly just started anyway? So then I, I researched and went to a different OB um, and had a really great experience with her. And she talked to me about some of the different things that could be tested. Um, and she tested me for like bacterial things. You know, there's so many different reasons why spotting can happen. Both doctors, um, I would say too, they both prescribed transvaginal ultrasounds. So all of the like physical structures were checked out to make sure there weren't any um, polyps or cysts um, or growths that can cause spotting as well. So they, you know, did their due diligence there for sure. Um, and, but it wasn't until, and so I had this good experience, but still things weren't, no progress was happening. And so I talked to my friend, um, Madison, who is a physician's assistant and she has recently, or in the last year, um, gone into a, um, and started working at a hormone clinic and where they work with uh, bioavailable and bioidentical hormones. And she was like, you know, with all this different research that I'm doing, I really think that you need to have your OB send a full thyroid panel because I had had just my TSH tested before at my first OB, which is pretty common. Um, they'll typically just test that. And if you're within a normal range, then they won't do further testing. That's just the way that insurance works. It's the way that just their, their model works. And so Madison said, you know, just call your OB, tell them, order this, this, and this test. She told me, you know, the entire thyroid panel, as well as an entire panel for my sex hormones, which had not been tested up until this point. Um, and, and so it was at that point that they tested all of it. And I was actually at your, your house in LA when I got those results back and forget it, it. (laughs) never forget it. And it showed my thyroid antibody levels being off the charts, well above what they were supposed to be. And my other levels being out of, out of whack as well, not quite as high and as obvious as the antibody levels, but still out of what would be considered optimal. And they immediately, the doctor's office immediately called me and said, you have to go, you need to go see an endocrinologist or a hormone specialist. Like you have Hashimoto's. And so that was February of this year. So a almost full two year process to get to this point. And from what you've told me is that and from what I kind of like remember learning this in yeah. PT school, we learned like very high level stuff yeah. like this in PT school. Um, but Hashimoto's can turn into hypothyroidism. Exactly. So, but a lot of people don't catch Hashimoto's before it does turn into hypothyroidism. So tell us more about that. Yes, that's exactly right. So Hashimoto's is one of the number one causes of hypothyroidism. Um, so typically this is why it, it typically isn't diagnosed for 30 years because 
people are you're even treated during that entire time for their hypothyroidism. So, you know, weight gain, feeling sluggish, brain fog, joint pain, um, all, all kinds of things that come along with hypothyroidism. And it, and they have never had their antibody levels tested or a full thyroid panel tested. And so they're not seeing that they, that the cause of their hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's. And the, from what I understand, and again, I, this isn't my area of expertise by any means, but from what I understand, the mechanisms for treatment are a bit different for if it's just hypothyroidism caused from a, for a different reason, or if it's Hashimoto's, they're going to approach it in a slightly different way. Um, including one of the biggest things. And one of the biggest things that I've had to do um, since February is removing um, certain things from your diet depending on what are triggers for your Hashimoto's that could then be triggering your hypothyroidism. So if you're just throwing medicine on top of the hypothyroidism, you might be missing a key piece that is a lifestyle factor that can make a significant difference for trying to like cut it at the source as opposed to just treating the symptom. Yeah. Root cause instead of band-aid. So what do you think you can trace it back to like the cause of hypo or of Hashimoto's for you? Like, have you had enough reflection at this point to like maybe have a guess as to where that, where it came from? It's really interesting because genetics play the biggest role, but my, neither of my parents have it. Um, They both had full thyroid panels done and theirs are completely normal. That's not to say that grandparents could have had it and passed it down to me. Um, but you know, they didn't certainly did not have those panels done. So, and they're, they're not with us. So can't tell there, but one of another big cause of Hashimoto's are viruses. Um, and I had COVID twice before I ever developed any symptoms of spotting. Um, so that my friend Madison was saying they're doing a lot of research now on the connection between COVID or other viruses like it and Hashimoto's, but there's a lot of information about other viruses that have long been studied, um, including, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the one. There's one that's like very well known that is a, a big trigger for Hashimoto's. So really? it's certainly possible that it could have been that um, or could have been underlying genetic that just over time, I built up more and more of these antibodies that, um, kind of fed, fed into it. Yeah. Could have been the perfect storm between a lot of things. Right. So, cause you, aside from the spotting, you weren't having symptoms of Hashimoto's to your knowledge. Like some of the symptoms, like you said, are are similar to hypothyroidism. Yeah. Like fatigue Mm -hmm. and like potential weight gain or, and things like that. What's interesting is with Hashimoto's before it causes hypothyroidism, it can actually look like weight loss, according to Madison and different people and different things that I've read and looked into. Um, It can be like loss of appetite, being cold all the time, which is probably my number one symptom. Yes, you're always cold. Always, always freezing. Um, That's one of like the biggest symptoms. Um, And then brain fog. So yes, definitely some crossover for hypothyroidism um, and Hashimoto's. Brain fog is a big one, um, which I didn't experience as much, but just, but fatigue, I've certainly had different points in my life, which of course can be situational because we've gone, I've gone through more stressful and then less stressful times. Um, But in general, I think that 
and, and then spotting is another one. Uh, so changes in your cycle and infertility are like two, two of the like biggest indicators slash it's kind of like chicken or egg with Hashimoto's. Like, is that telling you that you have it or is it one of the reasons why you're having it type of thing? Um, and so that was really, it was my spotting that kind of kicked it off because I, I wasn't having necessarily as extreme of the other, the other things like the brain fog and the sluggishness and like extreme fatigue. Yeah. That's, it's kind of scary because it's like, again, you weren't really having these glaring symptoms and according to your doctor, everything was fine. Right. So it's just like carry on as normal. Right. Um, but it just, I think for me, it, you going through this was like really inspiring to just be like, don't like when you feel like something is off, continue to press yes, and try to get answers. Yeah. Cause like, we know our own bodies and you know, like, this isn't how I was before. So like something is up. So what have you implemented since this diagnosis and how have you seen that affect you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, right when I was diagnosed, it's kind of there, the protocol at the clinic where I am is I was put on a low dosage of it's called NP thyroid or armor thyroid. It's a um, more bioidentical and bioavailable, um, alternative to something like Synthroid. Synthroid's a very, um, like well-known, uh, thyroid medication that a lot of people are on. Um, with NP thyroid, it has both T4 and T3, um, thyroid hormones available in it, um, which is good for someone like me. Cause when they looked at my levels, um, my, um, one of my levels was totally fine, uh, but I wasn't able to convert. So one of your thyroid hormones, and I'm like mixing the two in my head right now, one of your thyroid, one of either T3 or T4 converts into the other. Uh, so one is storage and then one converts into the other. And I had plenty of storage, but I wasn't converting well. And so by introducing this, um, this like really small dosage of both, it is, it, levels things out better. Whereas with Synthroid, it's just more of that storage piece. And so if your body's not converting well, then you just like overdo it with storage. If that makes sense. So that was the, that's the uh, main medication that I'm on. And then from a supplement perspective, um, selenium and zinc are two of the big supplements that they recommend for um, people with Hashimoto's and it helps with that thyroid function and that conversion, just like further um, assist the, the MB thyroid. Um, and my, and luckily they, I found a prenatal that I really like uh, that has the recommended levels of both of those in it so that I don't have to take like, something else in addition to a prenatal. Um, and then from And then in addition to after a few months, I was still having, you know, my spotting symptoms. And then we added for me, again, this is not going to be everyone's case, but we added progesterone. Um, So a bio uh, available and bioidentical progesterone that I'm now taking at night. Um, And that the biggest change that I have seen with that, that I was aware of prior to, but even more so once it was gone are I do not have significant swings in my mood during the PMS time. So right before your period, I, it had gotten to the point where I was like talking in therapy about how I felt that my mood swings were disproportional to the normal, like that it wasn't, wasn't the average 
I know that everyone, that a lot of people experience mood shifts and ebbs and flows in life. I get that. But during that specific time period in my cycle, it was bad, like extremely bad. And once we introduced, you know, both all the things that I've mentioned, plus the progesterone, which is known to be like a mood stabilizer. And if you're not, um, if you're not producing enough progesterone during that luteal phase, then you're going to have more significant symptoms like spotting mood changes, thing like things like that. So that's our, that's been probably one of the biggest outward symbols that I've seen or signs that I have seen of improvement. Um, and then one of the biggest changes that I mentioned earlier is I, is a, for me specifically, gluten was a trigger. So I've had to remove gluten since February and that has made a ton of difference. And it's at this point become some, so become so second nature and, and almost easy. Um, but yeah, it was a a really big shift at first. Yeah, definitely. With, and now we were just talking about like living in Austin, there's so many gluten-free options at restaurants and stuff. It's it's real. I have a lot of friends that are going, that have got diagnosed with celiac or whatever. It just feels like we're hitting this age, you know, around our thirties where we're like, what's happening? Like things are starting to happen with our health and we feel too young to like have these things happening. And who knows what, what is going on with, who knows what the cause is of this. Right. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it, it's good that there's lots of options for gluten-free nowadays. I have a question about the mood. So yeah. with your mood swings, mm-hmm. PMS mood swings, was this something that you had noticed? Like, have you struggled with this your whole life? Or is this something that seems to have gotten worse and worse and worse over the last couple of years? I think it's gotten worse. It is something I've struggled with my whole life, I would say, but I think it's gotten worse. And not because I've gotten married, but I've just noticed it more since I've gotten married because <laughs> I'm living with another person constantly, but he is certainly not the cause of it. Um, but it, it's been just again, more in before it was almost like I was operating on an Island where I like, didn't know timing of things. And when I, it was just like, Oh, I have these mood swings or I get frustrated or I have these times where I'm just so impatient but it wasn't until both working with a therapist and tracking my cycle and in talking with her about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like very clearly only happening in one or two days in this very small time window every single month. And she was like, you need to, and she also encouraged me. She's like, you need to press further with your medical providers. Like you, and she's a medical provider herself. She's like, you there's clearly something happening and something going on. Like whether that's a mood disorder, she's like, I don't think it is because it's only happening a couple days of the month. It's just like, it seems pretty hormonal to me. And so she also pressed for it. And so, yeah, definitely experienced it my whole life, but just become, I've become more acutely aware. And then maybe they've gotten a bit worse in the last few years. Yeah. What do you think could be some takeaways for our audience? Like now that you've been through this yourself, what are the biggest learnings that you wish more people would know or understand? I just want people to have permission to really tap into their bodies. And I know that sounds really cliche and we've done an episode on listening to your body, but I'm just a huge believer in it because I feel it's very interesting to me because it's like with all of the medical knowledge that I have and with all the things that I know, it still took multiple years for me to get to a place where I finally feel, 
and like I am in a really good place, even though I still have a long way to go. I finally feel like I have some answers as to why things are happening. I'm seeing improvements across the board. And so I want people to know that like they can look into things further and you can, you can kind of change who you're going to. And also I have to mention to Catherine, Andrew, who's done so much great content for Evlo from a nutrition perspective. I saw her for a bit as well. And she also encouraged me. She's like, this feels very much so thyroid based and, and hormonal based. So find practitioners who you connect with, because it's not that there's, it's not that it's necessarily a bad practitioner, but you just naturally connect with some people more than others, or some, someone might have seen a case that's similar to yours. So now hopefully the doctors that have seen me are like, Oh, I I kind of have seen this. Maybe I can lead my patients this way. Um, So just don't be afraid to switch around. I wish I would have done it sooner um, Mm -hmm. because I was like, Oh, well, she's nice. And I, and I like her and I did, and I still do. Um, And for general OB stuff, she was incredible, but I was just experiencing something that was different and don't be afraid to, to try someone new, to try something different and to really like tap in and know like, okay, this is something that I want to, I want to explore a little bit more because I know this doesn't feel right for, for my body and for me. Yeah. It makes me really wonder and feel sorry for people who don't have that knowledge and maybe they're yeah. struggling with fertility or maybe they're struggling. They're just feeling awful all the time. I think this is a really important conversation. I'm so glad that you were open about sharing your story. Thank you, Peyton, for being open about sharing. Um, any any last thoughts that we want to kind of leave the listeners with on this topic? I don't think so, but I'm I'm definitely always always here if anyone has questions. And from an exercise perspective, the great part about this was I didn't have to change anything I was doing because what we do at Evlo is kind of what is recommended for Hashimoto's. So just another, another little side plug is I have noticed like a crazy increase in energy and all the things with all the lifestyle changes and things I've had to do, but my exercise hasn't been one that has had to change at all. Um, so I was, I felt very lucky that I was already in a great place from an exercise perspective, but I can imagine that if on top of all this, I was over exercising, doing a ton of hit, anything like that, like that is stuff that they they tell people to stray away from if you've got Hashimoto's or different autoimmune disorders. So know that you're in a safe place if that is what you're experiencing, because I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's probably one of the reasons why you were able to benefit so quickly is because you already had a lot of the lifestyle things I can check. Yes. So it was just kind of like fine tuning a few things. And it's probably one of the reasons why you were, you're already seeing benefits and progress, yeah. which is really, I- really pretty cool. I think so too. Yeah. Cause I had my three, my three month blood work and like lab work checkup and all of my thyroid levels are completely in like, not just a normal range, but an optimal range. Um, my antibody levels are coming down. So it's like, everything's trending in the right direction. And it's, it's an all encompassing thing. It's all total lifestyle thing. So I feel very thankful to be with the right people and, um, to be in this community too. So it feels very supportive. I love that. Well, we'll have to have you back on in a couple of months if you want so that we can keep everybody updated. Yeah. And thank you so much, Peyton. You're the best. And thank you listeners for listening. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.